Hey everybody, this is Deandra, the new girl from Overland Park, originally from Atchison. Just so you know, you're listening to the PF Tape Recorder, bitches. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Nick Vaderot recalls his first observations of stand-up comedy growing up in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't even know if I knew how stand-up comedy worked. I definitely didn't know how it worked when I was in fifth grade, because I thought all those guys were making it up on the spot. We'll hear more from Nick in just a few minutes. We have another installment of It's Facebook, Not Factbook. A little surprise at the end of our interview with Nick. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. The NRA's convention wrapped up last week in Houston with over 70,000 people in attendance. The entire event ran smoothly, though authorities encouraged people heading back home on Sunday to get to the airport early as security lines would be really, really long. The Western Los Angeles branch of the Boy Scouts of America has become the latest chapter to break with the national organization over its proposed lifting of a ban against gay scouts while continuing to exclude homosexual adults as troop leaders. The leadership decided on the move over a lunch meeting at Chick-fil-A. The Republican-led House is poised to approve a bill that would give private sector workers the option of choosing paid time off instead of cash wages for working overtime. The measure would allow employees who work more than 40 hours a week to save up their earned time off for use weeks or months later, preferably after they've been laid off. Pope Francis said on Wednesday that clergy who were careerists or social climbers were doing serious damage to the Catholic Church, his latest utterance aimed at instilling a sense of frugality and service in the Vatican and beyond. So, social climbing bad, climbing on top of altar boys, eh, we'll work something out. The South Carolina honors teacher who lost his job because he threw an American flag on the floor and stomped on it in front of his students in three different class periods received a whopping $85,000 settlement this week. Scott Compton was placed on administrative leave back in December after stomping on the flag. Legal experts agree he would have faced no disciplinary action at all had he simply shot the flag with a gun. A federal appeals court in Washington has struck down an Obama administration rule that required nearly 6 million businesses to display posters announcing that their employees have rights to organize and to join a labor union. Look, if this guy is going to socialize us, he has got to get his act together. He's only got three years left, and we're not even under Sharia law yet. A state law passed two years ago in Iowa makes it harder for Iowa's sheriffs to deny gun permits. A Des Moines Register report shows that the law has made it easier for sex offenders to have guns. The Register found more than 50 sex offenders with permits to carry guns in public. Said an NRA spokesman, the only way to stop someone who doesn't want to get raped is a sex offender with a gun. Hooters restaurants will offer moms a free entree this Mother's Day. Moms who bring their child along to the restaurant and buy any drink will receive a free meal. And as always, plenty of free eye candy for dad. And finally, the man who was the original voice of Charlie Brown in the penis television specials in the 1960s was sentenced to a year in jail for threatening his former girlfriend and stalking her plastic surgeon. Then he was immediately released to a residential drug treatment center. The good news is his rehab will only cost him five cents. And that's been Fake News with me. All right, so it's another edition of... It's 
Facebook, not Factbook. And、uh, of course, where do I go when, when I want、uh, some kind of nonsense in the news and current events? Of course, I go to Newsbusters. And、uh, Newsbusters proudly showed on the Facebook page a study showing that、uh, most people think that having a, a gun in the home is safer. And、uh, it's actually from a Washington. A post poll. When you think, "Wow, Washington Post," you know that's that's a, a mainstream left-leaning. We'll say so. You click on the Newsbusters page and you go to a post by one Matt Vespa, who、uh, tells you about the Washington Post ABC News poll that shows 51% of Americans feel that a gun in the home make it safer. And you can actually link to the Washington Post blog post that tells you about the study. But here's the odd thing: is they only talk about. This one question, because you see, the actual poll had many, many, many more questions,、uh, not just about guns, but about the president and the job Congress is doing, and the economy, and all kinds of things like that. And when you get down to the gun questions, yes, it is true that 51% say a home is safer with a gun,、uh, to 29% that say it is not. And I guess that middle ground must be the people that were unsure. Uh, and here's the weird part. Like I said, the the poll is is much larger than that. And what both Newsbusters and this Washington Post blog fail to address is the rest of the poll. For example, would you support、uh, or oppose a law requiring a national ban on the sale of assault weapons? 56% support, 42% oppose. And、uh, here's the big one you're hearing a lot about: Would you support or oppose a law requiring background checks on people buying guns at gun shows or online? 86% support a law requiring background checks. 13% say no or no opinion. Now, I think what's funny about this,、uh, by the way, is the fact that、uh, you hear 90% thrown around a lot by the gun control advocates, and I think that was that's very clever because. You know, if you, it's it's really 86%, but I think they're counting on that. They, you know, what's the other side going to say? It's not 90%. It's it's only 86%. But anyway, I just think this is fascinating that you know they're they're trumpeting this this whole thing. Oh, people think that a, a home is safer with guns, yet neglect to tell you that people want background checks. That they want all this all these other sort of gun control measures, and they leave all that out. Absolutely hilarious. So、uh, remember. It's Facebook, not Factbook. And、uh, just to add a little、uh, to this here. Oh, to, to drill down into the question、uh, a bit, I guess the the folks that answered that yes, the home is safer with a gun. It, it's broken down here on the Washington Post blog, and the blog is is very pro、uh, is, is very pro gun. It, it seems, which is fine. That that's cool. Again, I'm I, I ain't mad at the gun folks. I just want you to be careful. And I think we can have some reasonable measures, okay? But you can have all the guns you want. I don't care. But the, I think it's fascinating is that of the folks that said a, a gun makes a house safer, 75% own guns and 30% don't. And I guess the other 5% aren't sure. But I think that's weird because if you have a gun in your house, of course you think you're responsible enough to have it, and you're you think it's going to make your house safer. <laughs> and then I love this line here. Wait a minute.、Uh, Those who don't see guns adding safety are predictably on the other side of the political aisle, mainly Democrats, liberals. And those with higher education. So people who are smart realize that statistics say that if you do have a gun in your house, it's more likely to be used against you than against an intruder. But you know, again, if you want to have it, fine. If, I mean, if I don't think this takes into consideration certain circumstances, like for example, folks who live out in rural areas,、uh, you know, you're maybe 20, 30 minutes from law enforcement help. You might want to have one, you know. But again, just be careful and remember. It's Facebook, not Factbook.
Nick Vaderot is a stand-up comedian originally from St. Louis, Missouri. He is currently headlining clubs all over the country. He's going to discuss uh, many things with us. Uh, among them, one of the first jokes he ever wrote. And afterwards, uh, I have a little surprise at the end of the interview for you all to enjoy. And I'll have to make sure I tag Nick to listen to this because I didn't remember it until after we finished the interview. So here's our interview with Nick Vaderot. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorders, comedian Nick Vaderot. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing amazing. Cool, and you're a busy man. You're flying between cities, and uh, I've actually caught you between flights. What airport are you in? I just, uh, I just got off the plane. I'm in Milwaukee. I was in Minneapolis, and uh, I'm getting ready to go to New York. I think. Okay, cool. Um, I'll look back and see what I re- what really happened. You know. Yeah, it's, it's ironic really because. It's ironic because I'm doing a little freelance writing work for a buddy of mine, and I'm writing about uh, different airports around the country. So, but Milwaukee. Man, I tell you what, Minneapolis is like one of the best airports. It's got like a mall inside of it. It's it awesome. does. Well, I've only been oddly. I'm actually from Cincinnati. I've only been in Minneapolis's airport once for an hour, so I didn't even get a chance to explore it. Oh man, if you ever go to, if you're flying to Minneapolis, you got to bring tons of. Uh, Shopping bags, you know, and tons of money. I bought about four thousand dollars worth of stuff there. It was oh, great. All right, good for the Minnesota economy. People will be happy to hear that up there. I mean, they love they love it when I come in. It really, really boosts the whole thing for them. It does. Well, it's a very indoor city, so that makes sense. In fact, that the whole airport itself is only like a couple miles from the Mall of America. I understand. Yeah, it's it's um it's let's see. I was at a Mystic Lake Casino out there, which is yeah, right by the Mall of America. Uh, it was just huge and gross, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the mall. It's like they had the biggest mall in America, and that's not enough. They got to make the airport like a mall too. My favorite thing was they had a bar in there where they were advertising happy hour. Was like <laughs> just so funny to advertise happy hour in an airport bar. It's like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna? Oh, oh, you're having. Oh, is it half off Miller Lite Thursday? Okay, huh. well I'll be sure to fly in through here next time. <laughs> Time it out. And you know what? I might just buy a ticket just to come here for a happy hour. Yeah, that's true. Well, in the old days, you could do that, actually. Oh, man. Yeah, the old, well, the old days, just flying. Flying was a gem in the old days. Oh, old yeah. days, you used to just, you know, you didn't even, there was no security. You just walk on with your jackhammer and chainsaw and, and, and around explosive bomb and just sit back. And now it's, you can't even bring socks on the airplane. No, you can't. So, where are you from originally? St. Louis, Missouri. No kidding, you're one of them. So, you know, uh, you know. well, no, Nick Griffin's from Kansas City, I'm sorry. Uh, Greg Warren, Jeremy Essig. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Greg all... Warren, Nick Glazer, Tim, uh, Tommy Jemmy. Nick Glazer, yeah. Uh, representing, we're representing St. Louis by moving away from it. There you, <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's right, because you're, you're in New York now, as as is Greg. I, I, you'll be happy to know that, uh, again, another city I've only been in, the airport for an hour, St. Louis, Missouri, but my hockey team is the St. Louis Blues. Oh, my gosh. They are so, I mean, St. Louis is a huge sports fan. They love the Blues, and Blues is the perfect name for that team. Yes, oh, my God. Well, <laughs> they're like the, the Cubs of... I won't say they're the Cubs of, of hockey. But darn uh, close. It's, like, it's been so long since they've won. Well, I feel badly. I think I've jinxed them because of, uh, being a Cleveland fan for everything else, and we haven't won anything since 64, 
before I was born. I feel <laughs> by, by rooting for the Blues, I have somehow now jinxed that team. And, and I told the story on the episode of uh, Ian Bag a couple weeks ago, and I'll bore the audience again real quick. That uh, when Cleveland lost its hockey team, basically, I had to find a new team. And I was just scanning around the dial one night, heard Dan Kelly calling the St. Louis Blues game on KMOX there in 1980, and I was hooked. And been a fan and of that's what did it? That's what did oh, it. that's so great. Well, being a broadcast person, you know, the two things converged. And yeah, loved listening to him call the games. They, they came in loud and clear on KMOX. And uh, much to the dismay of my buddies in Pittsburgh, where my dad had just moved, um, I did not become a Penguins <laughs> right. fan. Penguins my second favorite team. But uh, much different when the Blues yeah. win and lose versus when the Pens win and lose. Pens won today, yeah, by the I way. Penguins have had a bad day, so they've won a couple, right? They have. And I tell my friends, if I had rooted for them, nah, wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. Nah. <laughs> you would not have those Stanley Cups now, I assure you. So. Well, yeah. we got the Cardinals, though. It was, that's what makes it better. Yeah, I tried to get energy and, for the other St. Louis teams. None. No, I mean, no, I, don't, not, I don't hate the Cardinals. Happening. No, no, don't hate the Cardinals, don't hate the Rams, but at the other, I, I can't transfer that, you know, uh, affection for the Blues over to those teams. So it's just one of those strange things. Well, probably for the best, because then maybe if you like them, they would stay. Hey, hey, there you go. See, no Super Bowl for the Rams, <laughs> no World Series for the Cardinals, so it's all for the best. So were you a funny kid growing up, and uh, you always wanted to be a comedian, or did friends say, you're a, you should be on a stage somewhere, you're really funny? You know, it's weird. I was just like, I just went bad towards it. One night for Easter, and I was digging through a bunch of stuff in my house, just like, you know, like a bunch of stuff from my childhood uh, that I hadn't looked at for probably about 20 years. And uh, I found a box. I, in fifth grade, I had to make this poster, and it's kind of, it was kind of like sort of like confidence-boosting poster you do in fifth grade, and you write, like, what your favorite things are and, and, all, and you know, all this other stuff. One of the things you have to write, what you want to be when you grow up. And it was this thing that said, I read it, I, I wrote, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian part-time by 21 years old. It's such a weird thing to write. Part-time. Part-time stand-up comedian by 21. Uh, so I think I always had at least the seedlings of wanting to do it at, at fifth grade. I think it kind of came and go for the next uh, coming years after that. But I was always I was always a goofball. Um, just got just so much ADD. I don't know. I think I got just... Maybe weird syrups shooting through my body, and I just can't sit still and pay attention or do anything other than just goof around. So this this is great that this is a thing I can do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so was it part-time because you couldn't imagine being able to focus that long on even doing that? To me, that's just so funny for a fifth grader to be like, oh, you know, I won't be a full-blown comedian by 21. I'm, I'm probably doing it uh, part-time. I'm probably moonlighting, you know, like probably doing some... Uh, uh, some day labor during the day. It's just true. Like, why? I don't know what it says about my dreams as a fifth grader. Like, when I was fifth grader, why did I just go? I'm, why didn't I just shoot for the moon? I was kind of. It's almost like I was being practical. I guess you know. <laughs> so it's like, uh, like, like when I was in fifth grade, like I'm gonna marry the beautiful, most beautiful woman in the world. Or even in fifth grade, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna find someone who's just you know good with kids. Maybe you know, at least great at listening. <laughs> um, is around a lot. <laughs> you know? It's such a weird, you. like practical thing. I don't even know if I knew how stand-up comedy worked. I definitely didn't know how it worked when I was in fifth grade because I thought all those guys were making it up on the spot. And then yeah. I, I just, and one day I, I don't know when I found out that they were. Oh, I saw a guy do say the same thing twice on two different things, and I was like, that was the first time I was like, oh, they're not just making it up. They're just, they're, they're jokes they're writing. Just so weird. It's very interesting. I think my fifth grade mind is an insight into how a lot, a lot of people in general 
like a stand-up. Like, I had this couple that come to the show last night that was like, we, we were worried, This is, I swear to you, this is what they said. They go, we were, we were worried you'd make fun of us because we're fat. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want us in the front row because we're overweight. And I was like, what? What do you, why? What do you think stand-up is? And I realized that most people's perception of stand-up is, they've all, is how it's conveyed in movies. Anytime you ever see stand-up in a movie, it's always there's always a heckler, and it's and the stand-up's always like just kind of like making fun of how everybody looks. And I think a lot of people have a sense that that's what stand-up is. It's pretty sad and disappointing. And I, I although I think it's a relief for a lot of people to see that it's no, it's just it's not. There are guys who do that, but that's not the whole thing. Yeah, I think I just got the, the lay person's uh, view of it, you know. But I think you could say that about anything. Anything is portrayed in movies, you know. I think the one that comes to mind, of course, is cops and, and lawyers. I think have that problem. They, you know, it's a whole different presentation of their career versus what you know what the actual reality is. Yeah, man, cops are just action, action packed, man. Constantly <laughs> sliding across with the cars, you know, and it is weird. We, no, we none of us really have any idea how anything works except for what we do. <laughs> yeah. So when did you figure out how comedy worked? When did you finally, did you go to college and halfway through figure it was, this is the time or what? Oh, I'll let you know when I figure it out. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm still in pursuit of trying to figure it out. I think I started, I think when I, once I got to uh, college, I did do a, uh, a short form improv group there and uh, where they kind of taught me improv stuff and I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I like, I don't know, you know, I was working at a restaurant, and I was just kind of goofing around in the corner, like kind of the old water cooler conversations. I was making fun of restaurant, um, theme restaurants, how they take the theme all over the restaurant, even to, you know, like the restroom. And like in, in the restroom, they won't have man or woman up on the door. They'll have something else to go with their theme. And I think at the time, I said, uh, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in some weird this place and I don't know if I'm a clam or I'm an oyster <laughs> and like everybody laughed and I was like and then somebody interrupted and we all walked away and uh, and I walked away going maybe that's it I was like maybe that's like the type of thing maybe I say what I just said just now on stage and then which is crazy and I tried it at an open mic fine but then like uh, which is the funny thing about that particular joke uh, was that I seen about six or seven different comedians do a variation of that joke. And I even saw one do it on TV, and I was like, that was like the biggest thing to me. I was like, oh, a guy said something on TV that I've said. That was like the biggest connection to me. Um, that, 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 that's that's, the, that's the, the beginning of the snowball, how it works, which is funny. And now, actually, to, to this day, I, I still make fun of that joke. I, make, I say... Uh, uh, I just hate when you go to a restaurant and they don't have man or woman up on the door. I got am I a kitchen or am I an exit? <laughs> <laughs> and you walk into the kitchen, you got fifteen people all all making food. Yeah, I don't know. That was the beginning. I think the beginning was like saying something and then trying it on stage, and then seeing somebody on TV say something I said was like the beginnings of how it might work. Okay, so you had a joke within a joke there too, and then you kind of piece things together. So, what was that? Yeah. Was that college or uh, just out of high school that you decided to take the plunge? College, yeah. There was a uh, Deja Vu, which is in Columbia, Missouri, University of Missouri. Uh, only comedy club called Deja Vu. They're all after clubs in Yes, yes, they are. We used to have one here. Um, <laughs> like, Someone tells me. A privatized comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
coming down to the gaping laugh hole. I don't know if that would be a comedy club or a strip club. They had a survivor. Survivor was the big show, reality show had just come out. Uh, the beginning of the end of television with reality television. Yeah, they had a survivor comedy contest where anybody could sign up. So I was on an improv group called Comedy Wars in college that me and my roommate started. By this point, we had grown to like 12 people in the group, and somebody went and signed everybody up. And we would do a rehearsal, and someone's like, hey, they're having a stand-up contest at Deja Vu. I signed everybody on our team up for it. And they were like, all right, cool. We're all going to try stand-up. And uh, I went and did it, and I did the oyster clam joke, and it went fine. That was the best joke I think I told. I, I, I told a lot of um, ecstasy jokes. Ecstasy was the big new drug at the time. And uh, I, the people yeah. I knew all knew what it was. But I did. I went to the comedy club and nobody knew what I was talking about. Huh. So I kind of bombed. And then the funniest part was that the, comed- was that the feature comedian made fun of me for doing ecstasy. And then after the show, asked me where he could get them. <laughs> um, but uh, nice. but yeah, that was the first time I ever did it, and then you know I I did stand up like maybe twice a year for three years. You know I would I would maybe drive to St. Louis once and do it off the mic, or drive to Kansas City and do it off the mic. But it was like once every six months I would do it. When I finally moved to Chicago, that's when I started doing it like every night. Oh, okay. So how did everybody else do uh, in your crew? Uh, my one buddy won. My one buddy, or no, he 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 didn't win it the first year, and the second year he won it. And it's funny because he doesn't do stand-up anymore, and I, and I get mad at him because he's got jokes that he, he wrote. First jokes he ever wrote, I still laugh at and tell other people the jokes. And he just kind of moved on to acting, and he's in, like, tons uh, of commercials and stuff like that. And uh, That's a good gig, though. And he just, yeah, more paying. Yeah, he didn't want to deal with the, you know what it was, which is very funny. Everybody did, you know, uh, variations of good. I mean, people, are, they were all funny, so they, you know, different degrees of success. But my one buddy, you know, he won it. And uh, like he had one joke that was he goes oh I take his name is Jim Callahan and he goes I took a girl to a restaurant once and uh, you know I told her I was gonna buy her dinner and then she looked at the menu and she goes what does market price mean and he goes oh that means you're gonna blow me later <laughs> <laughs> oh, man <laughs> which is such a funny joke yes it's like I get mad at him that he doesn't do it anymore but he like he won the contest and part of his contest was that he went on the road got all these gigs it took me years to get he got him run off the bat and just the the road kind of sucked he just didn't like it and like I, he worked with some comics that were just really kind of awful to him and uh it just turned him off on the whole thing he's just like my heart's not in it which is interesting to see you know it's not for everybody even if you're yeah, good at it that's true yeah there's a lot of other extraneous things that people uh, don't consider like you know the travel and you know doing crap gigs in small towns in front of five people and you know people don't really but I guess it's like anything like music or act now it's I mean acting I think would be kind of that way a little bit too but maybe not as much uh, of that because you can stay in one place probably in like New York and just go on commercial auditions and stuff yeah it is it's totally you know there's probably some aspects of the industry that I should I just don't do as much just because I mean I do stand up more than anything else because my heart from that, like commercial auditioning and stuff like that, I'm just, like, that's something he's awesome at. He's booked, like, over 50, 60-odd uh, commercials, and then I'm wow. like, eh, I don't know, I'm not into it. <laughs> so do you have any other things you do apart from stand-up? Do you, you know, do any other kind of writing on the side uh, for, you know, shows or blogging or... Oh, I got a, I did improv. I've done tons of improv. I've, you know, I, I, when, I, when I was in Chicago, I did... Tons of stuff. I did sketch and improv and uh, shooting videos and and just anything I can grab my 
hands on. And then, but then the more that stand up kind of started paying my bills, the more that kind of more of my energy went to that. Let's see, we did, you know, I did like a web series called RVC with TJ Miller. Uh, it was okay, I think I've seen that, web. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and some projects like that are fun. I just, I recorded a CD called a K-Rock 92 Point Buzz, which is kind of like a, uh, it's an FM parody. It's supposed to just sound like you're listening to an FM station for an hour, but it's all just like, you know, kind of making fun of the FM rock Oh, cool. Format. Oh, it's right in my uh, wheelhouse. Yeah, like, i got to check that out. Yeah, it's like, it's, it, it's, we're hoping to get it out in the next year. It's, I love it because it's like sketches of behind the scenes stuff at the station mixed with like, you know, oh. uh, parody commercials yeah. mixed with parody songs mixed, mixed with making fun of the K-Rock kind of cute boy, but it's today's hottest music, you know, that guy. And, oh, awesome. And then that, and then you find out that guy's a real guy. That's how he really talks. It's like <laughs> pretty fun. And then I just put out, I just put out a podcast called Spike the Vodka which is a bunch of sketches, you know? I was like, yeah. well, everyone, everyone's doing, you know, conversational podcasts, but I, I wonder if podcasts can be used in a different way that I haven't seen really explored yet. So I did a bunch of, like, really weird stream of consciousness, like audio sketches of me just doing different characters and stuff, and it's only 15 minutes, and to be honest, I'm not even sure if it's really a podcast, but <laughs> I put it on podcast format. For lack of a better name, and sure. But that... Okay, well, cool, man. Well, sounds like things are going well for you, and I'll let you grab your next plane there back to New York City. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today between aircraft. And uh, we'll oh, absolutely. And hope we'll see you back in Cincinnati. I know you were here um, a couple of months ago, and hope we'll see you back oh, here. Oh, yeah, it was great. Soon. I had a blast. Oh, great. Club. great. Awesome. Fun club, yeah. Yes, that's All what... the kind of a great scene of comics out there, Yes, too. yes. So, well, we try. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, beautiful. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot, man. Thanks again to Nick Badrock for being on the show. Now, as you recall, Nick was discussing the men and women's bathroom conundrum at theme restaurants. So I present to you now, from 2005, a fake spot I wrote for the Morning Sidekick radio prep service. I'm not even sure I'm allowed to play this, but um, I guess I'll do the old uh, play it now and apologize later. Here it is. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh, let's try snappers. Ooh, sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hands, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. Whew. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. And there you have it. Pretty clever, eh? Well, at least it has some nice production on it. I mean, I still wrote it, so it's not that great. But 
Uh, it's some nice production. And the guys actually, Morning Psychic, added a few more yucks to it. So it actually made it even funnier uh, than what I wrote. All right. So that is the show. Uh, do the usual credits here. Uh, music composed and performed by John Veropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. A logo by Dan Coble. Follow him at TigerDactyl on Twitter. Uh, Dan and Logan's podcast is Magic Potion. You can find that in iTunes. Uh, what else here? Check Check Hay's blog is up there on Tumblr. I think it's checkcheckhay.tumblr.com, and you can find that and her photo blog, which has a, a pictures from all the concerts she has been to. So check that out. Um, I believe that is all. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, like this podcast on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at pf66. Don't want to forget that. I think that's all the business we have for this week. Other than to say so long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.